tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's Power Cash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Welcome to the Cop Table Podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Fulham game coming up this Sunday, 12pm kickoff at Anfield. Joining us on the show tonight, as usual, for the Reds, we have Jay Riley. Jay's a regular on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show, now a regular with us on the Cop Table, and um, also writes for the Liverpool Echo, so welcome back on, Jay, how are you? I'm not too happy, to be honest, mate, after the, the last couple of performances, but, you know, I'm sure you can rectify that at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, same here. Also, joining us tonight for... The Fulham side of things, we have Russ Goldman. Russ is based out in Boston, Massachusetts, in the USA. Russ is part of the Cottage Talk podcast and has uh, kindly, kindly agreed to give up his time to join us on the show tonight. So, thanks very much for coming on. Russ, how are you, pal? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, unfortunately, I, I hear you guys talking about how bad Liverpool have been doing. And, uh, unfortunately, Fulham have been doing a lot worse. So, uh, I look forward to talking to you a little bit about that and uh, talking about this upcoming match. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Russ. Okay, then. We're going to get uh, straight into it from, from last night, Jay. Obviously, we've gone down 2-0 away at Red Star Belgrade. Pretty much a lacklustre performance from, from start to finish, wasn't it? For first 10 minutes, we had a, f- a couple of chances, looked okay. But after that, um, it, everything just went downhill, didn't it? There was no, there was no passion. We were void of ideas. Um, just, just players just underperformed all over the pitch. Give us your um, thoughts on last night, please, Jay. Well, I mean, it was an absolute shocker, wasn't it? I mean, you know, earlier on in the season, when we played Napoli away, that was a terrible performance, wasn't it really? And, you know, again, another Champions League away game where we just haven't performed and we haven't turned up and froze on a big occasion. And, you know, we know that they did not a very good time. We beat them at Anfield a couple of weeks ago, 0 and in truth it could have been 6 or 7 0. So to then go on their grounds and their manner, if you like, to dish up the performance that we did, it's just totally unacceptable, really. But this was a performance that, you know, this season, if you analyse Liverpool's games, I think we've played 16 games this season and probably half of them we haven't performed well at all certainly not to the heights of last season and something's just not quite right at the moment so it's very bizarre I mean you know we keep saying don't we the front three haven't clicked yet and when they do someone's going to get hiding but there's not really any great signs of it I mean I know we put four past Red Star in the Champions League we put four past Cardiff as well but I think in terms of the Cardiff game I think, you know, we put the gloss on the scoreline late on in the game, two late goals, but it certainly wasn't a 4-1 scoreline for me. Not, not in terms of, you know, the, the way the game panned out. Um, 
we just haven't really got going. And, and some, it's, in particular, it's the, the away form. It's been really, really poor. I mean, I know we ended up beating Huddersfield 1-0, but the performance was a shocker, really, and Huddersfield deserves something on the night, even if you can go as far back as the Leicester game in September time when, yeah, again, we won the game, but the performance level was, was terrible. They said we were on top, and after that, Leicester were the better team. And, you know, again, you go back to the game against Arthur at the weekend, and, yeah, a couple of opportunities, and Virgil van Dijk could have had a hat-trick, but, I mean, the performance was a shocker. I mean, Arsenal just controlled the game totally, and Liverpool were all over the place, and it's just not the Liverpool team that we've we've grown to know under Klopp. I mean, it's just very, very bizarre this season, and you've got the people out there who'll say, oh, what are we moaning for, and what are you moaning at? Because, you know, you've got to analyse and look at things and say, well, Liverpool are unbeaten in the Premier League after 11 games, they've won eight, they've drawn three, and the the, the two points off Manchester City at the top and I'd say they're all on board but you know you can't keep on throwing in the performances that Liverpool are doing and expect to keep on winning and remain unbeaten because sooner or later you're going to come a cropper and we've come a cropper in Europe twice and now we're in a really difficult position in the group to qualify for the next round I mean if you were a better man you would say Liverpool are probably going to drop down to the Europa League and Thursday night football because it's going to be very difficult to go to Paris Saint-Germain and get three points I mean we could get, get a draw there but to win the game is going to be very tricky I mean if we can't beat Red Star Belgrade and we can't beat Napoli then you know Paris Saint-Germain is a total different kettle of fish in my opinion with all the stars of the players they've got um, and then we're looking at a, a potential of another Anfield miracle might really aren't we where we might have to beat Napoli by two clear goals to because of the head-to-head situation so you know yeah. we've left ourselves with a bit of a mountain to climb and I just think it's unacceptable really you know people go on saying Klopp might be holding them back a little bit because it's trying to preserve a little bit of energy because it's, it's going to be a long hard season but that's what we've got a bigger squad for isn't it I'm baffled and mystified by that quote that people are saying why would he be trying to hold them back it's you know we've already lost one game in the Champions League we could ill afford to lose that game against Red Star Belgrade last night, and and we did. And you know, to me, you know, major questions need asking. And you, you, you know, you you get all these super fans who say, "Oh, why are people moaning? And why are they doing this? Why are they doing that?" I genuinely think they're better in their heads in the sand because you know, no one can tell me the level this season of being good enough. I mean, people are going on. Oh, it's a genuine. We, 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 you know, last season we we, we entertained and scored loads of goals. But we finished fourth ultimately, and it wasn't a genuine title challenge. And what they're saying now is, well, we've changed the way we're playing. We're more, you know, solid at the back. Don't concede many goals, but we don't score as many goals now either. But we're in a title challenge. We'll win eleven games into a season. My argument to that is, let's see where we are on the third of January when we've just played Manchester City away in the league. That's in ten games time. Let's see how many points adrift on Man City we are then. And let's see if we're actually in a genuine title challenge then, because you know. Hopefully we will be, and I don't want to come across as all dead negative, but you can only judge it on the performance that we've been dishing up lately, and they just haven't, haven't been good enough. We just haven't got going. Certain players are, are you know, performing under par, really, really poor. I mean, since Alexander Arnold's only a kid, and, and okay, I take on board that his, his future might lie as a centre for, a centre midfield player, sorry, but he's really, really struggling at fullback. He's, he's absolutely horrendous against Arsenal. I mean, he got targeted by Aubameyang in the first half. In the second half, he, he just his passion and his touch was all over the place. And then towards the end of the game, he just lost all sense of his position against the uh, Awobi and just got out muscled and, and you know nearly cost us a goal. I mean, I, I, I just think he needs taking out the fire line. I really do. He, it's doing him no good playing games all the time because he just keeps on making a lot of mistakes and it's causing us issues really at the back. And the problem we've got is who plays instead of him because. Nathaniel Klein, as we know, he's, he's out of favour with Klopp, and I think he was ill, wasn't he, for the midweek game. You look at Joe Gomez, he can play. Joe Gomez has been fantastic as centre-half, Virgil van Dijk. So, you know, it's, it is a dilemma for Klopp, and he needs to sort it out, really, because things are just not happening for us at the moment. And I've heard a lot of talk, people saying, is it sort of do with Bouvac? Because Liverpool were great last season while he was at the club. He ended up leaving, didn't he, after the Roma home game when we won 5-2 in the semi-final of the Champions League. And then after that, you know, some of the performances topped. I mean, we lost 4-2 in Rome, lost 3-1 in the Champions League final. A couple of poor results in the Premier League, 2-2 away against West Brom, 0-0 at home against Stoke. So people are starting to judge it now, saying, is it because of Bouvac? Because he's the man that used to take him for training and stuff. It's been well documented, a few of the players did come out and say last year that, you know, Bouvac had a lot of input in terms of the training methods at the club. So, 
this season we look at it now, and yeah, I think on board with third in, in the league, we're unbeaten, but the performance levels have not been the same at all. And it does raise the questions of, you know, sometimes it's actually in heaven, isn't it? A manager was number two. You have to look at Rafa Benitez all them years ago with Paco Ayesteban. Mm-hmm. They were great together, weren't they? And then all of a sudden, when Paco, they'd have fallen out, Paco left the club, and it was never the same again. I just hope it's not the same situation now with Klopp and Buvak. I mean, I don't think you can read too much into it just yet. It's too soon to say that is the case, but I certainly think that there's a, there's a cause for concern because, you know, the performance levels have just dropped. Off Liverpool are not pressing teams no more. It is a really because where is the pressure at all for season? And now things like when two other teams are doing for Liverpool, giving us a little bit of a time, you know, we don't like it and we are struggling at that. Yeah, something needs to be put right on the training field for sure this week coming up to the Fulham game. But yeah, over to yourself now, Russ. Um, bit of a tricky start to the season for Fulham. I know you've come up against Manchester City and Arsenal now playing Liverpool at the weekend. Uh, got a decent result early on against um, Burnley, but how have you seen the start um, of the season, That uh, the performances that, the pull, that Fulham have put in for us? Please, Russ. It's been pretty bad, guys. And what's interesting about all of this is that I've seen glimpses of what the team can be. We're talking about the Burnley match. There are parts of the Watford match. Even the first half against Everton on the road was encouraging. So I can see what this team can be. But Fulham are dealing with basically a perfect storm of issues, and there are three of them. One is injuries. They've been dealing with injuries, Tom Kearney being out. Some of their fullbacks being injured at different times. That's affected them. Also, their center backs trying to find the right goalkeeper to go along with the back four. It goes along with all of this. The back four has just been just a mess trying to figure that all out. Also, trying to bring all these new players in at the same time has been challenging, extremely challenging. This is a brand-new team. Fulham decided that they wanted to upgrade basically the entire side. They did not want to go with a team that was in the championship except for a few players. They wanted upgrades basically all over the pitch. Like I mentioned, Tom Kearney is the exception. But more often, they were looking for players to be at a different level than they than going with a team like Cardiff went championship players. They wanted to go with uh, better players. So they spent all this money, and everyone knows how much money they spent. And uh, there's been an issue with uh, getting these players all on the same page. The third part of this is Jokanovic being brand new to the Premier League and, and being able to adapt to how the Premier League is compared to the championship because – in the championship, he's used to have the possession anywhere from 70 to 80% of the game. It could be that high at times. So it's him on the league, injuries, and all these new players. It's just been terrible to try to find any cohesive play with all of these players. They look like strangers out there. But there's a lot of talent. And I thought we were going to be challenged uh, in the daily with quotes from Brian Fredericks. And he asks the full manager, Savicio Convert, saying that he's basically, in paraphrasing, going through a learning curve. But we need to be gaining. It's winning matches, and right now they're not doing it. They're taking steps backwards, and because they're forward, they're, they're wicking goals. And then, of course, that can make us more disaffected. Possession-based play, the style play, going forward has now been stunted like you wouldn't believe. So now we can be tighter at the back, but now it's not his style that he brought in from the championship to basically go all the way on the other way. It's not putting everyone you know, behind the ball, parking the bus, but it, it's just trying to be more compact, more defensive, and it really has just affected everything else within their game. It's just a mess right now. And when I think the the biggest alarming issue that Fulham dealing against teams like Cardiff City and Huddersfield Town is the lack of that effort that we've noticed. You know, again, that's that's the part that's really been driving us crazy, is that these teams want it more, and they need some bite right now, some players that are, are going to really just be in there to fight. The only player right now... Uh, that I've noticed a great deal of that, I'm being honest, is Ryan Sessignon. He was the one player against Huddersfield Town that looked like he was in it to win it. Everyone else, I can see the urgency. They were not playing to the opponent. The opponent wanted it more. So right now, it's funny because I I predicted at the beginning of the season, I could see Fulham ending 10th because they have talent to do it. And I, I figured that Yukonovich would eventually be able to adapt his style. And this has really come true at this point. I still think they have the team to do it, and uh, it's just a matter of sticking. Which we could talk about that later when obviously you're going to ask me about him. But I believe in him. I believe in these players. It's just a very steep learning curve coming back in the 
where we perform football club. Yeah, and I was just looking through the, through the from the transfer window in the summer, just gone from points of view, and they spent just under a hundred million pounds, didn't they? And it looks like they brought a player in in each position really: um, Chambers, Fosu, Mensa, goalkeeper Enrico, Sheila, left winger. They brought a centre back in Mawson, another one, the Marchand. Um, they brought in a centre mid, two centre midfielders, uh, Anguissa and Seri, and Mitrovic up front. So, like you say, they basically bought themselves a, a, a brand new starting eleven, hasn't he? And is it's is it just something that they haven't had time to click yet? Because obviously these, these players have never played with each other before. Right. Um, is that what's happening at the moment? And which of these players? I know you said Sessignon, but he was there earlier. Which of the the signings that was made in the summer has impressed you the most, please, Russ? Sure. Well, I could say Mitrovic, but Mitrovic was was with them last season on loan. So I'm going to go with Jean Michael Seri and. He's a player that uh, I believe Liverpool probably at one point were linked to and some of the big teams were linked to. And they brought him in to basically, I believe, to play with Kearney and, and play that possession-style football that Jovanovic once played. And I think he still has the ability to do that. The problem with Seri is that um, the midfield three is now, I think, eventually going to be him and also going to be Kearney and, and Giza, another new signing. And, and they are just learning how to play together, and it's just been hard. But... When Seri has had the time to show what he can do, he's very impressive. But unfortunately, uh, until he gets that threesome going together, the three working together, he's not really been the player that I think he would be. I, I think eventually he's going to be a dominant player for Fulham Football Club. So he's been the most impressive, but it, again, it's just in certain matches. So he's the one that stands out. And then, like I said, if I was going to talk about someone else, it would be Mitro. Because Mitro was scoring goals for fun, and that was until... Former leaking all these goals and basically had to really change how they're playing. And I think that has affected Mitrovic because he's getting no service now. But it starts with Sarri. John Michael Sarri, yeah, he was the most expensive of Fulham's summer signings as well, at around £27 million. Okay, thanks very much for your insights in the, into the Fulham um, transfer window and uh, performances this season, Russ. Okay, back over to you, Jay. Just going to continue on a little bit more from last night's uh, game. There was a few eyebrows raised at the starting eleven. Obviously, Matip come back in, didn't he? Um, Lalana started the game, and Daniel Dudge. Now, after the game's finished, obviously we, we, we suffered the two 0 defeat. A lot of people have criticised Jurgen Klopp for the starting lineup. Um, what's what was your thoughts when you first seen it, and and after the game as well? Did, what was your thoughts on the um, lineup, please? When you're playing at home in the Champions League against understand there being a few changes because simply because you should be able to use your squads in terms of being able to beat them you know with minimum force really but what I will say is when you're going away and you're it's a little bit different because it's obviously a little bit more of a, a tougher game because it's a different environment and intimidating place to, to go so changes that he made I, I mean as soon as the team come out there was a few raised eyebrows and okay fair enough Roberto Firmino He's been very poor this season. He scored four goals in 15, 16 games. He just hasn't got going. He's, I don't know whether it's a World Cup angle there, whether it's his head's elsewhere. I really don't know, but it's totally out of sync. And that's the front three. We all about the front three, not clicking. But he's certainly the one that's you know, the biggest concerns over because he just isn't scoring goals. And when you're centre forward, I, I, last season, when he's been on the and all the talk was he's going to play centre forward for us. I raised me doubts then, saying I don't think he scores enough goals. And he's he proved me wrong because he scored I think it was 28 goals in the end last season which is a, f- a fantastic tally and we were all, we were all open that he knew in that vein this season and it just hasn't really happened for him yet I know there's still plenty of time for that to change but it is a little bit concerning that he's not scoring and not only is he not scoring he's not playing well either so okay fair enough if you give Daniel Sturridge the start which to be honest what other options have you got I mean I'm not a fan of Sturridge starting games I don't think he's the same player he was a couple of years ago I think he's a little bit bit too weak in all honesty and I know he did well for us when he started against Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League earlier on in the season but to me I would certainly not start him in away games he just doesn't know the ball he doesn't press enough he doesn't simply doesn't work hard enough but that said he'll get a chance in the first 10 minutes and if he scores early on it's a game then so you know, it was a very very poor miss in my opinion someone like Sturridge like you know that's normally simple for him to score from there and it was a very poor miss and it just never got any better for him did it as the, as the game went on and you know what? To me, I've spoken about Adam Lallana a few times. He was a good player eighteen months ago. When he's a professional, he's simply not good enough to play for Liverpool. 
the big strong words, that's just how I feel about it, because it's evolved, and it's, it's passed by, basically, and, you know, in my opinion, I get shut of them in January, and then, looking at the defence, as I said before, Alexander Arnold's been absolutely shocking this season, now that's not me go with the lads, because he's 20 years of age, he was fantastic for us last season at times, I mean, he did get caught out in, in a couple of games against Crystal Palace, with Zaha, giving us all the time, also against Manchester United, and Bash, but, other than that, he's very well, he's very good in the Champions League final, there's no move for sentiment in football, and, and this season he's been absolutely awful in quite a lot of games. Well, and even strong points of his game, which tends to be delivered into the box, even that's been off this season. So it shouldn't be starting. It's as simple as that. And I know I said before, he plays there. Obviously, Clement Clark's nice at home. It's not ideal. He comes playing like, because he's been fantastic at centre half. But the problem is, you know, if you're not playing well, you don't deserve to be starting game. Games and he's three starting games for us. And the other problem I had was why did Joel Matip start? Absolutely bizarre. I mean, Taylor Lovren's back in the squad. You know, we all agree that Liverpool's two best centre-halves are Van Dijk and Joe Gomez. Probably the third best is Dejan Lovren. So why didn't Dejan Lovren start? Why did Joel Matt That didn't make any sense. He's awful. That's terrible for me. I'm not a fan of him at all. I'm not a Lovren either, to tell you the truth. But I think he's marginally better than Joel Matt. Mm. So to play him as well as Alexander Arnold in the same defence, and then obviously, you know, we've just spoken about Aislinn and all that on the side. I think they were four players that in my opinion I wouldn't have uh, and you know it's, it's you know the proof's in the pudding because it was an absolutely humiliating defeat and now we've left ourselves a mountain to climb to qualify up the group so I think that the, the basically the team selection of Klopp was was awful to be honest in, in, in Serbia Yeah like you say it was a, a surprise to myself as well to see Joel Matip after barely featuring all season he's come on with a couple of minutes to go about three or four games and hasn't hasn't really played many minutes whatsoever so see him starting a game in the Champions League like you're saying in an important game as well where, where if we had won would have took us to nine points and basically near enough guaranteed qualification for the next round so to to make as many changes as he did and, and swap things around like that it, it did seem a little bit bit strange but hopefully the likes of Shakiri has been rested, and I think Lovren actually had a little bit but, of it. You know what, Peter? Though he said, he said the thing mm. is as well. What annoys me about it is, if Liverpool would have went to Napoli and drew or won at Napoli, then okay, by all means, make a few more changes. But Liverpool were, had actually lost a game in this group already, mm. so we shouldn't have went to Red Star Belgrade and, and basically undercooked with you know three or four different players playing or three or four players fringe players starting the game. That was a massive game for Liverpool, regardless mm-hmm. of the opposition. We were away from home. We needed to get three points there last night. We'd already lost a game in this group, don't forget, against Napoli away. So, to me, his team selection was absolutely baffling because you need to get the job done away from home. We had to get the job done. They're the weakest team in the group, and to lose to them was absolutely embarrassing. Yeah, I totally agree, and I've seen one or two things on Twitter and Facebook today while I've been having a little browse, and a lot of people are really criticising Klopp quite heavily, really, and um, myself, I think there's times when he can be criticised, and he's certainly not above criticism, if you like, because he's that highly rated by Liverpool fans now, I don't think he's untouchable, though, is that something that you'd agree with? Of course, because you know, okay, we're all we all know we're all in agreement that he's a fantastic manager. But the facts are, he's been at the club for three years, and we haven't won a trophy. We've been to three finals and flopped it in every single final. So you can't get away from facts. Now, listen, I'm not saying he's not a good manager. Just said there, we know he's a fantastic manager. And he does really well with identifying players to bring to the club. His style is great this season hasn't been and that's why people are questioning now what is going on because all this heavy metal football and the full throttle and like the pressing and mm. you know the energy levels and the chances created and scoring goals for fun where's it, where's it gone mm. where's the Liverpool of last season where is it gone I mean I know I understand like we need to be a little bit more solid we needed to be a bit more solid at the back we rectified that by spending a lot of money on a goalkeeper who I think has been a fantastic sign and um, Virgil van Dijk is a Rolls Royce of a centre-half we all, all know it he's, he's, no one talks about the £75 million because he's the best defender in the, in the Premier League one of the best defenders in, in Europe in the world you know Joe Gomez has come on leaps and 
Barnes decision. So the defensive side of our game, I know it wasn't great in Serbia last night, but my point is, majority of the season we've been very good at the back. We've conceded, is it, what, five goals in the Premier League in 11 games? That's really outstanding. When you look back 12 months, 18 months ago, when everyone was slating Liverpool's defence. So that's, that's a remarkable turnaround defensively. But it's to the best of the rest of the team because we've got no one from midfield to the midfield to the attack Liverpool to, to produce what we were producing in terms of scoring goals for fun and like basically you were going into games of football whether it be at Anfield or whether it be an away game knowing we're going to score two or three goals against any opposition it didn't matter but this season at Anfield we've still been quite good but the games away from home have been absolutely shocking we just don't control games of football and then the worrying aspect of it is we also don't really look like scoring loads of goals away from home. I mean, we, scored, we didn't even score in, in, in Red Star Belgrade. We didn't score in Naples. We scored one against Arsenal. We scored one against Huddersfield. OK, the best performance we've probably had this season was away to Spurs at Wembley, wasn't it? That was a, that was a great performance away from home. But against yeah. Leicester, we were absolutely ter- we are absolutely terrible. OK, we, we scored two in that game. But where's the free-falling football that we used to see from last season when we were putting fours and five past teams and, you know, Maribor 7-0, Porto 5-0, Bournemouth 4-0, Brighton away 5-1. What's happened? Where's it all gone? It's mad. It's like someone's flicked the switch and we've completely changed the ethos of the way we were playing last season. To me, it's absolutely baffling. How can you just change so much? It doesn't make any sense to me and, you know, it is a, it is a massive concern going forward in mine because I just think, you know, People burying their heads in the sand, thinking, oh, look at the league table, we're in a genuine title challenge here, but let's get real, this Manchester City team is an absolute freak, and you can't, that game against Arsenal at the weekend, I'm sorry, but you know, when you're 1-0 up with 10 minutes to go, you've got to see that game out. If you want to win the league, you've got to be seeing that game out somewhere and getting the three points. Because Manchester City went there and won, I know it was the start of the season, when Arsenal was still fresh and new, and yet, but the fact that he still went there, and I thought City might have points against Spurs. To be honest, last night I honestly did thought that was the only one one nil. But John, it could have been three four nil, and had a chance at the end. But Manchester City was in control for most of that game, and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to be too disheartened. Liverpool went to Tottenham one, but what I will say is we've got to go to Arsenal now because City did. What happens at on Saturday? We basically blew it, didn't we? And we couldn't hold on to the lead. We got points. You have people saying, "Oh, it's not bad points." They didn't perform. I take on board. Really do. Let's be honest. If you want to be winning a league title, you've got to go there and hold on to a lead. It was totally different to the way we did it against Chelsea. Obviously, when we when we drew with Chelsea, we scored a late equaliser, and it felt like a victory because you know we deserved it. By the way, because you know Liverpool played quite well, and I actually had Stamford Bridge, but you know because we scored late on to get a point, it did feel like a victory. But the Arsenal game was totally the opposite because we were in, we were leading the game. I know Arsenal were on top and control in the game but Liverpool were in front we had to see the game out and we didn't and it late and it felt like a defeat and that's a, you know that, that's the harsh fact of the reality of it it actually felt like a defeat so you know this is a problem now you can't give City that impetus because they're such a fantastic they're not going to drop many points this season they, they got 100 points last year they're an absolute freak and if anything you're looking at them this season thinking they look even better so you know, they're on, they're, you, know you, would, you would think that there's a big possibility that they could get 100 points again this season. And let's get into the real world. We're not going to get 100 points. So, realistically speaking, you can't afford to drop points here, there and everywhere. Certainly not when you're in front of teams. It doesn't matter who they are. If you take the lead, you're going to see the game out. Unfortunately, we never. And that's why already the 22 points, and hopefully if we be full on Sunday, we'll go back top for a few hours before Matty play again. But we can't drop points. You simply can't do it. There's no there's no room for for, for error of margin. You know what I mean? You can't. No moving around it. You've got to, if you're in front, you've got to make sure you see the game out and get the three points. Because if you don't, you won't be genuinely challenging for any, any league title. Yeah, spot on, Jay. And um, yes, yeah, City play um, a Manchester derby on the weekend, so um, maybe United can um, halt their their stride if you like, and we can see what happens there. And on Sunday, right? Okay, then Rush, back over to you. I want to talk a little about about your manager uh, Slavisa Jakanovic um, brought you up for the championship, but it's become under a little bit of criticism um, recently for for the performances of the team and from sitting at the bottom, just lost against Huddersfield on um, Monday evening, just gone. Uh, what sort of pressure is he under at the moment, and um, how long do you expect him to be able to get things right at Fulham? It's an interesting uh, situation right now, guys, because um, I'm going to tell you right now that if Fulham sack Savisi Yakanovic, I'll be uh, very upset. Not just for some amount of reasons, because he brought us to the Premier League from the championship, but I know what he's capable of doing. And I also know that to 
seasons prior, the last two seasons in the championship, Fulham started fairly poorly. And it took him a while to figure the two seasons out. Honestly, around November, December, did they start figuring things out? The different level. And so I wanted to give him the time that I feel that he needs to figure this team out with a brand new team, all these new players. Like I mentioned, Ryan Frederick's talking about the learning curve that he, he uh, has quotes in from the Daily Mail. And I agree with that. The, the learning curve is huge here. And he needs to be able to have time to find his best team and find the best system that he can use in the Premier League because his system is possession-based and he needs to figure out a way to adapt it against teams like Liverpool that were about to play in Man City. The problem he has had is that he went with the same mentality that we had in the championship and got us into all kinds of trouble against Man City. It wasn't as bad against Tottenham at the beginning of the season, but that was the beginning of the season. And uh, he basically went in with this attitude, this is how we play. We are aggressive and we're going to attack you. And we got cut to shreds against Manchester City. It was uh, a very hard lesson to learn. Then he decided he would change things up against Arsenal, point three at the back, and I thought it was pretty effective. Uh, But eventually, to Arsenal's credit, they figured it out. In the second half, they dominate. So we get to that point, and now Dukanovic is hearing all the pressure, hearing all the talk about leaking goals and he's changed his style from what he originally had in the championship. So I think the man deserves a chance to figure things out, to work with his team, to find his best team, and because I think eventually he will. I, I, he has good players here. It's just a matter of it all come together. And so will he have the time? I hope so, guys. I, I just, the easy answer is I don't know because the media has now got wind of, obviously, the issues here, and they are running with stories there. They're throwing out names of potential new managers, and that just puts more pressure on him. And uh, Shai Khan came out a few weeks ago and basically backed the manager, but sometimes that can be a kiss of death. I do believe that the Khans, uh, Tony and Shad, believe in Jokanovic, and I hope that they stick with him through, through this rough period. I, I do, because I think he's the right man for Fulham Football Club, and uh, people have been asking me of potential names of uh, replacements for him, and I I just say, I'm not going to give you any because I don't want a replacement. I, I want him. And uh, I've done two polls, one on Twitter and one on Facebook. And it, the results are pretty interesting. Just asking the question, should foam football club sacks of Jokovic now? In one poll, it's basically 55% to 45% no. And another poll, it's 56% to 44% no. So it's a slight majority of fans that don't want them to sack Jokovic. It's pretty split there if you really look at it. So, guys, uh, I think Savisa deserves a chance, but if we get killed by, really lose badly to Liverpool, and then we play Southampton, and that's bad too, he, you know, again, they might feel the need to change. I just hope that they don't. I hope they stick with the manager. Yeah. Like you say, he's brought them up from, from the championship, hasn't he? And you see it so many times that teams get promoted from the championship and they do well, and then they sort of drop down the league. And first thing that happens is the manager takes the blame and he, and he gets the bulletin. I just think that some of these managers who have spent the time at, at these clubs and brought them up into the Premier League, as you say, should be given that little bit of extra time to, to implement their Look at Eddie Howe. ideas. Eddie Howe's a perfect example, yeah. I just think he shouldn't, shouldn't pull the trigger too soon and, and, and let them flow into the league, if you like. It may, maybe they are the bottom three for the rest of the season, but it'll learn them. And if they go back down again, they'll have to, to come back up again. And he'll be the ideal man. He knows all about that for, for them, and he knows all about the league bringing them back up. So I just think some of these, these Premier League chairmen and boards need to just these, these managers a little bit of a bit of time, if you like. But going into the game against Liverpool sure. on on Sunday, um, Russ, what you said there—he's he switched it around a few times with it, with his formations and his tactics. How do you see him playing this one at Anfield on Sunday? Do you see him having a little go or just putting all men behind the ball, similar to what um, Cardiff done and tried to hit us on the break? How's Kanovic going to play this one? In your opinion, on Sunday? Let's just say I hope we don't. In fact, I can't stay in Cardiff City and. and if we start to look like that, I'm going to be very upset. And what is driving me crazy is that I saw a little bit of, uh, like that against uh, Huddersfield Town, which is not like full. So I would, the, the easy answer is I don't know, guys. I'd like to give you an answer because I could see them giving it a go. But with the pressure that he's under, I don't know if he's going to do that. They did it against Manchester City. The results were not good at all. We lost 3-0. It could have been 5-6. So... I, in his heart, I think he wants to go to Anfield and play Liverpool because he won't, 
wants to play football. He wants attractive football for form. There has to be a middle ground. So I don't know what he's going to do. Um, I think he's going to approach it like he did in the Carabao Cup match against Man City when he held them to 2-0. And that was really just trying to hit Man City. Like we didn't even have many opportunities to do that. So um, I'm going to go with that. Unfortunately, I think that's going to be how they're going to play it. It's, you know, and again, I, I wish there was a happy medium where they could still attack and, and come to Anfield and play some of the football. But right now, the confidence is very low. So I think, I, unfortunately, I think that they're going to really play it conservatively. I don't know if they're going to be like Cardiff City because that's not Fulham. They have players that can really attack. So I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. You know, I'd like to say, I'd like to see him play his 4 3. We'll see what he does, but I think it's going to be more conservative than um, I've seen in, in the beginning of the season. I, I think they're going to try to hunker it down, try to keep the match close, which is really not full stop. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Russ. Okay, then we're just uh, going to talk a little bit about the, the line-up for, for the coming game on Sunday. Okay, then, Jay. Um, I know we, we spoke a little earlier on the WhatsApp about the uh, about the team going into the, to the game on Sunday. How do you see Klopp playing this one, do you think he'll he'll bring back in um, Shaqiri and Keita um, Firmino as well I'll, I'll just see him starting this game please Jay Yeah I think he'll bring the changes because you know it was it was unacceptable wasn't it, the performance in midweek and certain players were left the team and obviously Shaqiri was left at home wasn't he so I'm sure he'll come into the side and start the game and it's interesting you know no disrespect to Fulham but when Liverpool are at home to a lesser team I think Klopp's going to go with the system of a, maybe a 2-3-1 system, which gives you a little bit more control in midfield because you've got like the two shifters really, haven't you? But then also you've got an extra attack and player, haven't you, with the front three, so you to link up the play. So I, I do think Shaqiri will be part of that three with Salah and Mane and Firmino as well being involved. I'm sure he'll get a start over Daniel Sturridge. Very disappointing. against said Star Belgrade and Lallana will come out there as well. Hopefully, so as I said before, he's not good enough no more. And then Looking at who's he going to pick in the middle of the park? Will he go with Fabinho? Will he start the game? I think he will do. And then it's two partners in for me. And there's a talk that Abby Keita will start the game, but I just think it'll probably be Wijnaldum or Milner, just maybe Wijnaldum for his energy levels. And we all know he's been very good this season. He wasn't very good again in midweek, but you know, obviously not many players did perform well there in Serbia. So other than that, Wijnaldum's been very good most of the season, so I think he might be the one that gets the nod in the middle with Fabinho. When you go to the defence, I think Lovren might come into the back back four, maybe Gomez at right back, which I know it's not ideal playing him there, but I just think that that, that will possibility of what will happen. I think he can go right back, put there, take Trent Alexander-Arnold up the far and land a little bit, and Van Dijk, Russian and, and Allison in goal, and yeah, I do. I think it'll be the four-two-three-one system, and hopefully Liverpool will get three points, but not just get three points. We'll score a few goals as well and get a bit of a confidence goal. Great stuff, cheers, Jay. Okay, then Russ, what's uh, what's your predicted uh, stand eleven for Fulham this coming Sunday, please? Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Rico and goal. Rico actually has been good since coming in for Bettinelli, so I'll go with him and goal. I'm going to go with Timothy Fosu Mensa, who actually played very. Poor poorly against Huddersfield Town, but I, I prefer him over Christie, so I'll go with him right back. I would prefer the uh, center backs be Lamarchand and Mawson, so I'll go with them, but he's probably going to go with Eloy and uh, Lamarchand, Mawson and Marchand. And I'm going to go with Ryan Sessegnon. He'll be the left back until Joe Ryan returns from injury. That's been an issue because I believe that Sessegnon is more valuable farther up the pitch, and that's been a problem too because he's not playing his best position. In the middle, I'm going to have uh, Angisa, Kearney, and Sari as the three, and then uh, I will have Mitrovic, Vieto, and Shola. Mitrovic obviously in, in the middle. So that's what I'm going to go with. And uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, starting eleven. I'll go with Fulham, which against most teams is, is pretty good. Against Liverpool, obviously, it's going to be extremely tough. Cheers, Russ. Okay, then, what we do uh, now, we're just going to do our, our score predictions and why before we uh, play the the music that we play on the podcast each week. So, starting off with Jay, the home side, what's your, your score prediction and um, your reasons for them, please, Jay? 
Well, I think the way Fulham play, they're going to come to Anfield and I'd imagine they'll play football anyway. They're not going to try and kick us off the park the way some teams would do. I mean, it's interesting what Russ is saying there about maybe the, the, they might try and keep it a bit more solid than they have been. But I, I just don't know whether or not it's in the nature to be like that because they are a football inside. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of them, but what I have seen of them, they do tend to have a go. And if they play with Mitovic, Jetto and Shaler, I mean, that's quite a tough really, isn't it? And I know they're very in the middle of the park who thinks a good player, but you know, don't think they're great at the back. They, they, they offer up a lot of opportunities for the, for the opposition. And, you know, I watched part of the Everton game early on in the season. And, you know, I thought they'd done quite well in the first half, but then Everton won 3 0 comfortably second half. And, I just think Liverpool really should have a field day and the problem is because Liverpool are not firing on all cylinders and we're not scoring loads of goals I always scored for each red stack cards but you know the performance levels it's been very disjointed hasn't it and you just don't really know I mean we're, we're expecting a reaction because this is you know, the only game I've got left now before the international break so there has to be a reaction after the, such a short defeat and the shock of performance in the Champions League in midweek but as we know it's never easy to come from playing in Europe to having a Premier League game because you always have that little bit of a hangover if you like and you know okay it's at Anfield and it's against as I say fairly weak opposition so you would expect Liverpool to, to, to come out victorious and I'd get the three points quite easy but you know you can't take anything for granted in the Premier League you really really can't and because we've had the Champions League game, it is a little bit of a leveller because you know, they're going to be a lot fresher than what Liverpool are, but we've got a big, bigger squad, haven't we? Obviously, and we've already touched on there, I'm expecting three, three or four to do changes to the starting eleven. so you know we shouldn't be too bad. It should freshen things up for us a little bit, and I just can't see anything other than a comfortable Liverpool victory, but you know, I'd like to say we'll win 4 or 5 nil, but I just don't really know whether, whether that'll be the case, because you know, something's not Right, to see, it's evident to see they're struggling a little bit. We have Klopp's even spoken about it, like in, in his after match press conference and all that. That we, we do seem to have lost our mojo a little bit, and, and and it's clear to see that we have. I don't think you can go into these games just expecting us to, to walk through teams and, and put four or five past them because you know this season it's been it hasn't really been like that. I mean we've had a couple of good results and good victories, but. You just never know what you're going to get from this group of players because they're totally out of form, some of them. And I you know you're still waiting as we keep on saying time and time again, week after week, when are they going to click? You know, later they're going to click. And it just hasn't happened. Hopefully it'll happen Sunday. But I just think as well, the, the kick-off time, not, not making excuses, but it was Sunday midday kick-off. It's a bit of a shocker, isn't it, really? I mean, that's I just don't can't get around that. I mean, Fulham man in the Europa League, Liverpool played on Tuesday night. Why, why are we playing on Sunday midday? It doesn't make any sense. But um, like I said, we're just going to have to deal with it, you know, and, and get on with it. Sure, we get the three points. But all things considered, I think we're obviously going to be a little bit too strong for Fulham. And they're going to come and try and have a little go at us. But they're just going to leave spaces at the back. So I'm going to go for a 3-0 Liverpool victory. 3-0 for you, Jay. OK. Hey, then, Ross, uh, let us know your score prediction and uh, your reasons for them, please. Well, I think Jay analyzed this match very well. And I'm glad that Jay got a chance to see Fulham play against Everton because the first half is what is driving me crazy, guys, is because you can see how Fulham can play and how they can be. They just can't do it for 90 minutes, and Everton showed their class in the second. They deserved to win that game comfortably. I think Fulham are going to give it a go just like Jay said. And, again, I don't see them, you know, again, playing like – you know, everyone, you know, behind the ball and being very defensive. I think they will try, but I think they're going to be try to be more defensive like they were against Man City and see if they can take advantage of Liverpool in certain situations. And maybe they'll look at Everton as the, the example of what they potentially can do against Arsenal, what they can do. They can give it a go. They did it for about 15 minutes against Tottenham. They have the ability. Can they do it for a full match now? Absolutely not. They cannot, but they can do it in spurts. And if they can do it in spurts, they can keep it close. I agree with Jay. This could very easily be four, five, or six. No question about that. I'm going to say that it's going to be three nil to Liverpool. Much better players. You know, again, right now, Fulham's confidence is at a very low period right now. I think they're going to figure out a way to make it closer than it maybe it should be. So I'll go with three nil, but it could be much worse than that. And uh, you know, and I just want to say I wish you guys the best of luck. 
the rest of the season, well, obviously until we play again, because uh, Liverpool team that I watch a great deal here in America because of the connection with the Boston Red Sox and your ownership. So I wish you guys all the best. Excellent. Thanks for that, Russ. Absolutely spot on. Yeah, um, I may as well just stick with you two. I'd nine go three nil myself. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else has gone for that, but yeah, sounds like, yeah, might as well have me. <laughs> sounds sounds um, like an anonymous scoreline to me. Yeah, I think we, we'll have a, a bit too much for Fulham at the weekend. Obviously, they might come out and have a little go, like Jay and and we've both said, and hopefully we'll be able to hit them on the on the counter attack and um, be able to keep the ball a little bit as well and play it round and Anfield uh, like we did the majority game against. Um, Cardiff, but yeah, before I play the um, the unsigned band, uh, just got uh, an announcement to make that we've um, we've been asked by um, Paul Bentley, who's behind the No More Knives campaign in um, <clears throat> in Liverpool. He's been in touch with us this week and asked us to uh, get our, our support behind that, and, and we're more than welcome to to support the cause of uh, No More Knives campaign. There's um, there's a boxing fight, charity boxing fight coming up on the fifteenth of December. At uh, Fusion in Fleet Street, Liverpool, between um, between Paul and uh, DJ Lieber from from Radio, uh, you can get your tickets at uh, Skiddle, and you can also um, get them from the the Radio City website as well. I think so. Yeah, we've uh, we're fully on board with the No More Knives campaign, and um, we wish Paul and, and Lee all the best of luck with the campaign, and we'll be. Uh, advertising more of the of the campaign in the coming weeks and um, like I say happy to be on board to to support that cause right okay so just before we go I'm going to introduce the the artist who's been uh, in touch with us on uh, Twitter this week to play his to play his music this guy is uh, from Toronto in Canada his name is Lucius Kane he's into genres such as reggae R&B techno uh, Lucas sent me a little bio, Lucius, sorry, about himself late, uh, earlier today. He says um, his music speaks for itself and he's hoping to be the next big thing in the hip-hop music scene. So the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Where's the Love by Lucius Kane. Ain't no love in the city. 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 Ain't no love in the city.
And that song was called Where's the Love? Lucius Kane. Thanks very much to, to Lucius for getting in touch with us and um, best of luck with your music, pal. Okay, then, thanks very much to Jay Riley and Russ for Russ Goldman, sorry, for joining us on the, the podcast tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show, lads. Yeah, cheers, lads. Hopefully, hopefully it's a good game on uh, Sunday and even Red Wins. <laughs> Thanks again, guys, for having me on. Uh, feel free to have me next time the, the teams play. Yeah, for sure, Russ. Thanks very much. Okay, then that's um, Fulham Liverpool versus Fulham preview cast by the table. All done. After this, uh, there's a couple of weeks break until we play. I think it's Watford away, so we'll be returning the week after next with our next preview podcast. So thanks everybody for for listening. Don't forget to check out the at Liverpool um, page that's now in association with us as well. Uh, LFC Online on Facebook is um, where you can get all their social media uh, views on Liverpool and websites and things like that. So thanks everybody for listening and goodbye. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates. Or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates. Or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Sports Social Podcast Network.